In this final section, I want to escort us to the comfort of the cross. It was not Jesus' intention to endure Calvary so that his followers would suffer and feel more ashamed than ever before and in a state of guilt grovel forever. Quite the reverse. He endured Calvary to set us free. The cross changed from a symbol of shame and derision to become our cherished symbol of sacrificial love and victory, the place where love and justice meet, where death is overcome. It was a very strange reversal, and Paul knew that when he wrote, may I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So let's focus on the comfort of the cross. The most obvious reason that the territory of the cross is comforting is because, as that song puts it, here is love, vast as the ocean. Here is love, vast as the ocean. Sometimes in newspapers, I see a column in which normally some grown-up celebrity is asked, what would the young you have thought if they could have seen you now? Well, putting aside the fact that Jesus was still comparatively young when he died, uh, probably around 33. Nothing in the path of his life surprised him, least of all the cross. From first breath to last, he was destined for it and submitted himself to it. His mother Mary was warned by Simeon in the temple as Simeon cradled that baby, that Jesus in his arms was destined for suffering. Later on, Jesus was warned by that gloomy disciple Thomas that to head for Jerusalem would mean certain death. And he warned the disciples, Jesus did, the same thing. So I think it's entirely accurate to say, why did he go there? Because he wanted to say to us, to you, to me, to them, to the world, I love you this much. I love you this much. While we were still sinners, the scripture tells us, Christ died for us. It's not as if he loved us on a good day, as it were, when we were in good form. No, we're told he loved us when we were in a bad way, when we were in the pits. It's not as if he set his love on us because we were adorable and very lovely and easy to love. No, no, no. He, he saw us accurately, and he loved us. And he, he deliberately offers himself as a perfect sacrifice for us. That was his rescue plan. God's love is open and accessible for you and me, and that's amazing love, what sacrifice. I love you this much. That's why it's Good Friday. Sometimes children's songs have the knack of putting profound truth 
very simply. And I find that in the song, Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful. So high you can't get over it. So low you can't get under it. So wide you can't get round it. It's wonderful love. It is wonderful love. Secondly, the cross is comforting because it's Jesus' invitation to come to him. It's got RSVP written all over it. It's as if the cross comes and for crying out loud, Jesus is crying out loud, come to me, receive from me. How amazingly accessible is this broken man that cries out on the cross. We've probably all seen this play out in different spheres. Remote people become more, seemingly, more approachable in their brokenness. It's not that there ever was anything in Jesus' character that did make him remote, but oftentimes people with authority, however kind they are, are perceived as forbidding or distant. Could be a headmaster, a president, a monarch, a top-notch athlete, the head of a company, the most brilliant academic, an artist touched by genius. But then sometimes sickness or tragedy comes along or old age catches up, and in their brokenness, that underlying vulnerability that actually was always there, is now there for all to see and we can draw closer still. And perhaps there's something of this in the comfort of the cross, is that Jesus never stops crying out to me and to you, come to me, receive from me, will you? And if not, why not? Is it that pride is stopping us? Even the soldier at the foot of a cross cried out, truly this man was the son of God. Even one of the thieves hanging alongside Jesus asked Jesus to look after his soul. It, it's not just that on the cross Jesus bears our sins and carries our suffering, because that sounds so neat and so forensic. There's something else going on as well. It's as if Jesus is saying to us, can't you see I'm broken? I identify with the broken. We're told he was familiar with suffering and acquainted with grief. And the writer to the Hebrews wrote, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he didn't sin. I've sometimes heard people who try to be clever, clever about this and cute about it. And they say something like, Jesus doesn't know the pain I've endured. He never experienced childbirth, for example, or chemotherapy or cancer. But I advise all of us to be careful before we say something like that. Because we've no conception of a pain of what it means to be God forsaken because the love of God is all around us. There is such a thing as what's known as common grace, God's 
indiscriminate goodness showered out. And were we ever to be cut off from the love of God in its entirety, well, no one's ever experienced that on earth, except for Jesus. And that would be hell on earth. And he experienced it and cried out, why have you forsaken me? We don't have to deny, and I'm not denying in any way, the excruciating human suffering. But in our human suffering, we can turn to God for real solace and his gift of peace and his Holy Spirit's comfort, knowing there is balm in Gilead because he has experienced a worse suffering than we could ever. Let me read a little poem to you called Jesus of the Scars. If we have never sought thee, we seek thee now. Thine eyes burn through the dark, our only stars. We must have sight of thorn pricks on thy brow. We must have thee, O Jesus of the Scars. The heavens frighten us, they're too calm. In all the universe we have no place. Our wounds are hurting us. Where is thy balm? Lord Jesus, by thy scars we claim thy grace. If, when the doors are shut, you draw near, only reveal those hands, that side of thine. We know today what wounds are, have no fear. Show us thy scars. We know the countersign. The other gods were strong, but you were weak. They rode, but you did stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but you alone. There's a very real sense in which Jesus has put himself through the greatest agony so that you and I don't have to go there or experience it. Because Jesus has endured it for himself and for us, we really don't have to go there. The only way to life without God is over his dead body. Let's not go there. Let's plead the blood of Jesus Christ. That is a comforting thought. And so is this one too, that on the cross, Jesus experienced powerlessness. There's a very significant word actually that's accurately translated, handed over. Sometimes it's translated betrayed. But what it really is pointing to is the fact is that Jesus surrenders his powers. He's at and in the hands of other people to do what they decide to do. And Jesus surrenders like this all the way through the passion story. He could, as he said, have summoned squadrons of angels to help had he wished, but he didn't. He could have come down from the cross had he chosen, but he didn't. He surrendered himself. He literally experienced being bundled from pillar to post across. It's the same kind of powerlessness you might feel 
if you've ever signed a medical consent form to be put in under anesthetic, putting yourself in the hands of another. And he puts himself in the hands of people who wished him nothing but harm. He chose to trust. And the cross is comforting in this way because it tells me just because I'm powerless doesn't mean God is not in control. We will be faced with situations where we are powerless. And we can remind ourselves that a life invested in God's hands is ultimately safe. That's why the psalmist can say, he who dwells in the shelter of a most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty God. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's why Jesus can say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Can't actually help remembering that this time a year ago, I was actually unconscious and on a ventilator in hospital, having signed a form, giving consent for the medics to do whatever they wanted. And I know the peace of God that comes through the cross. I know the love of God came up trumps. It wasn't new that day. It was something I experienced every day since giving my life to Christ. It was just wonderful in an extraordinary way to continue to be able to trust God that have walked faithfully with me and will continue to. And the cross speaks of that. You might feel powerless, but the God that you trust is in control. And the cross speaks of hope to us today because it's the crossroads into a new reality of eternal life. I love the fact that every time Jesus speaks to the disciples about the fact that he will be tortured and put to death, he always links it with the fact three days later he will rise again. And that's why it's legitimate for me on Good Friday to just point out the cross is not the end of a story. We glimpse through the cross the hope of Resurrection Sunday. And the last cry of Jesus upon that cross, it is finished, is so much not I'm finished. It is, it is finished in that God has accomplished everything that he wanted to do. This is God wiping away our sin. This is God crying out loud with his love. This is God saying, come to me, all of you who are broken, all of you who are disappointed, all of you for whom life is not working out, and trust me, let me lead you on.